0: Every year, <clears throat> we are in the, we're we're going to close out Romans today, and um, I want you just to go ahead and turn to the back to the very end of this book, where we're in that those last two pieces, uh, verses 17 and following. And I want to come back around verses 17, and 18, and then uh, close it up. I put Some sheets on your table, and uh, we're going to watch your time, see if we have a little bit of time, because uh, I'm interested in. You know some of what you've heard, maybe some challenges that have uh, come to you through this study. How you see this book uh, challenging? Let's just go back to the text. Uh, verse 17 um, starts off with these words: "I appeal, to brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught." And I want you to just notice these last two words, avoid them, avoid them, okay? One of the things we know as Paul is establishing churches throughout Asia Minor, we know that the devil is not just sitting back saying, oh, what a great thing. Look, another church. Oh, look, another church. Now, these are all house churches. These house churches would gather together regionally, And they would do kind of like we're doing today. They would say, hey, what's an outreach we can do into this community in the name of Jesus Christ? Now, they began first by going out to synagogues where they would would witness to people uh, who were Jews and try to bring the gospel to bear on on their lives. When Paul starts, starts this closing out and says, I appeal to you, remember the verb there is parakalao. It gives the word a little bit deeper meaning. It's not like he's saying, hey, I'm going to make an appeal for money or I'm going to make an appeal for help. The word parakaleo means what? Towards your calling. He says, before I leave, I want to remind you of what your calling is. That calling is so significant that anything that gets in its way, you need to pay attention to. Now, what are some of the things that gets in the way of your calling? Well, there's a long list of them. But one of them he's addressing right now are people inside of the church. Not outside of the church. People inside of the church that create, I want you to notice these two different words, divisions and obstacles. I want you, don't don't raise your hand, don't say anything, but I want you to just think for a minute. In your life as a Christian in a church, have you ever experienced a moment where an individual or a group of individuals have sought to create division or an obstacle anybody ever lived through that it's hard i think it's probably one of the hardest things because the person doing it is typically someone we know we have relationship with we care about we love them it's not like some enemy coming from the outside that's, that's obvious it's somebody inside now what are they doing so the word for division has always been interesting to me. Uh, I'll read it to you. It's de-costasius. de, costasius. de costasius. So de if you think about it, there's in that first part of the word a little bit of the root that underlay our English word dissect. If I dissected this room into two parts, Now, the second half of the word is to dissect stasis, your standing, the things that you stand upon. I'm going to cause a group of people who should be united to actually be dissected, divided relative to something they should be standing on. Should be standing upon what? The promises of Jesus Christ, his word. We should be standing together on mission. And so the devil comes along and says, watch this, I'm going to use some people inside of the church who are going to dissect that, and actually now what's going to be called into question is the very thing that the church should be standing on, its mission, this word, this hope that it should be the world. Sometimes that's pretty sly. Sometimes it's pretty sly. I'm going to give you an example, real example. Uh, I won't tell you which church, but I was was serving in a church where we... um, We're making some physical changes in the building. It's always dangerous when you make physical changes in a church, because that's not where the mailboxes go, right? (laughs) By the way, if you haven't heard, we did move the mailboxes into this closet area back here. That's not where the mailboxes go. We get used to things, right? This is where I sit in the church. This is where the mailboxes are. It's kind of dangerous when you change things. Well, we needed to make a change because our children's ministry was growing and uh, we needed some some space rooms all together in one area and one of the areas that needed to change was the church library. It was a beautiful library, it really was. Um, People had had donated dollars and built shelves and it had marble counters and you can imagine the day that I... I said, I think we're gonna to have to move this. Uh, no. This was all donated and this is where the library goes. Now the library, never mind you, was not accessible to people. Very few people ever came to it. They didn't go to the library because the library was hard to get to. And so I would say things like, well the library is kinda of hard to get to and if we move it, it'll make it easier to, we don't care. We like the library where it is. Well, how many people check out the books from this library? We don't care. This is where the library goes. I'm like, well, isn't the purpose of a library to, to actually have people read the books? Um, Sherry Klintz, when, when we met together, and we talked about moving our library, which also is inaccessible. Sherry Klintz is the first person that says, oh, by all means, move it. Let's get it out in front of people. And we're in the process of doing that. Not this group of people. Now, here's the point of the story. Here's how bad it got. It got to the point where a woman literally came up to me and said, Pastor, I've started a petition. (laughs) And we have a lot of names that are on this petition. These are all people who are going to fight you against moving this library. We don't care that the children's ministry is growing. We don't care that all these rooms are together. We don't care about anything. This is where the library goes. Now, in the process, that all looks on the surface like it's what? Eh it's just a typical battle in a church but not really what's happening underneath that did you hear what they those pastors are trying to do what's happening you are are calling into question now the integrity of that person the next time the person gets up and says oh let's let's talk about the word of God I'm not sure about you I'm not sure about you it's very subtle and so when we talk about dissecting a body of people who should be united, we recognize on one hand that we're, we're all going to have differences of opinion on where libraries go or where mailboxes go or what color you know, um, flooring should be. We're going to have those differences. We, we, we should because we're human beings, but in the end, Is it affecting, the question is always, is it affecting the ground upon which we should be standing? While we are making this petition with hundreds of names of people who oppose the moving of the library, how many of us, these hundreds, are saying, I want to engage in reaching this city for Jesus Christ? Or is it robbing the church of the ground upon which it should be standing? You know what Paul is saying? He's saying, I've been around the block a few times. And I'm going to tell you something, church. They're going to come. And they're, going to, they're not going to look like an enemy. They're inside the church. They're your friends. They're people who you, you, you have lunch with, you relationship with. But I'm telling you right now, if it comes to dissecting the standing of the church, avoid them. Now, the second word is equally as interesting. There are other people who, English, create obstacles. Greek, the word is create scandalon. Scandals. Um, how, don't now again. Don't raise your hand. Just kind of get it in your head. How many of you can can kind of picture that person in your life, who is the person who likes to do this? Hey, did you hear? Did you hear about this? Oh, did you hear what he did? <gasps> Did you hear, can you picture that person in your life? Can you picture them? They're inside the church. Again, are they bad people? No. Do they consciously set out to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to create a scandal in the church. No. They're good people. Again, people within. Folks that we love, we care about, but who can be used, what? By the enemy to scandalize other members of that body and again begin to tear it apart one of my favorite um, author writer speakers is a guy named john maxwell Uh, he served as a pastor for a lot of years he he tells this story of this gal in his church who would come to him regularly and say pastor john did you know and would just kind of share all this stuff with him and by the time she would walk out of his office. He'd say, I just need to take a shower. I just feel like i got stuff all over me because that's what's going on here. So one day, she came into his office and she started dumping. He says, just stop right there. He says, I'm going to tell you your problem. Now, I, wouldn't trust, I would never do this. I'm not John. Mike, you're going to like this. John looks at this person. He says, here's your problem. You're a garbage dump. Can you imagine a pastor like, hey, I went to see the pastor today. How was he? He called me garbage dump. Wow! He says, no, really. He says, I've got this this thing that I do every Monday. I put my garbage can out on the street. He says, you'd be amazed how many people just drive right by that garbage can. They don't even stop. But there's one truck that stops. You're that truck. Everybody knows in this church, if I got a scandal, you're the one that I take it to. And it'll just go, whoo, just like that. Now, here's here's the hard thing about this scripture is... What what Paul is pointing to in Rome is a reality. You're going to have people that are scandalizers, people who are dividing the church. And what's being affected is the doctrine, the understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And the hardest thing in my mind about these words is, avoid them, avoid them. And over the years, i really kind of wrestled with that sense of, what, what do you mean by avoid them? Um, you don't scandalize them back. You don't, you don't ostracize them. You love them. You do. You love them. You incorporate them into your, your life and your body life. But you also are very careful to, to say, look, I, I recognize what's happening, and, and I am not going to be party to the scandals or the division. In fact, I'm going to work to, to really make sure that our body does stand together, does stand together on what we should be standing on, namely the rock of Jesus Christ. So I don't want you to read those words as, um, boy, you know what, I, I, get, get out of here. Uh, but read them as when, you, when you're aware of, this is a person who scandalizes. You need to be able to say, say to that person lovingly, hey, can I talk to you a little bit about this? Just talk to him. This isn't right. This isn't good. Uh, Here's what what God calls us to. Unity. Um, So I I just think that what Paul is doing is he knows that um, the church will come under attack, not just from without, but from within. He's preparing it uh, for that. Verse 18, he goes on, he says, For such persons do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, but they serve their own. The literal term here would be bellies, their own appetites they're serving themselves um, I kind of go a little bit beyond that I think that quite often people don't realize that they're actually serving Satan they are um, you know Jesus Christ minced no words you, you either are or are not one who belongs to him uh, by their smooth talk um, I, I like the Greek word here it, because it, it undergirds our English word crystals, uh, kind, of, kind of sparkly talk, by their smart, sparkly top and flattery. They deceive the hearts of those who are, um, the, the English word here is, is naive. Um, there's a little bit deeper sense to it, the sense of this is a person who really is not so grounded uh, in the word that they're able to recognize. Uh, this is what's happening. They're, they're subject to uh, being, being deceived. Uh, a big part of making the church strong and able to hold up against uh, those who would divide from within is strengthen people's understanding of who we are as, as um, um, called out ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Strengthen that because if you don't have that, uh, you're more susceptible to being kind of sucked into um, the work that's happening against the church. Verse 19 says, For, you, for your, I'm, I'm going to use the Greek word here, your hupikuso, your coming underneath the word, is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But, all right, so you're, you, house churches, You come underneath the word, and what does it do? It births in you a way of life that people recognize. People can see it, right? Um, It's what we pray for together, is let us, as a body of people, as Peace Peace Lutheran Church, be recognized by the community um, for what God births within us, and for what then, in essence, comes out of us and into the community. You're servants of the community. That's what he's saying. People know you for that. They know you as people who know the word and who serve. I rejoice over that. But, he says, I want you to be wise. Have the wisdom of God as to what is good and innocent and to what is evil. I appreciate those words for two reasons. They take us back to the garden, right? What was the temptation that finally causes Eve to say, and Adam as well, to say, hmm. I think i'll I think I'll take that that offer what's the what's the deception? for you shall be like God knowing what what is good and what is evil. These are the exact words here he says you through wisdom, not through your own mind, but through the wisdom of God, will know what is good and what is evil and I want you to have that because I have to tell you that when you're in the church and you're trying to figure out how to navigate some of the battles that happen within the church, um, I've lived it now for however many years, um, and I will just tell you it's hard. Uh, of all the things in ministry that, you know, take, take you out, um, the hardest things are not the battles from without. There are those interpersonal battles from within and those scandalizers and, and the obstacles and the that's, that's what just finally just, oh, I don't know. You need the wisdom of God because there are times, just pointedly, when because it's people that we love, your mind shuts off and you can't see what's happening in front of you and you can't figure out, really, is this good, is it not good, is it good, is it not good? And um, so, um, you need the wisdom of God to navigate your way through what is coming your way, uh, Church of, of, of Rome. Now, here's some good news, verse 20. The God of peace. God wants peace. It's not fake peace. It's peace. It's God wants what? Us. Coming together, unified, Around one common set of beliefs and one common mission. That's who God is. So, what is He doing? He is working at crushing Satan under your feet. And I like the words that He uses here. Um, Paul, as He's leaving Rome, or as He as He's not leaving Rome, but as He's as He's moving towards Rome and and getting ready to leave this world, recognizes that um, this battle that He's been involved in. For so many years, uh, he's watched church after church after church after church go through all this. He realizes is that here, here in Rome, of all places, um, things will become intense. They will. They're going to become hard. Rome will be a place where there's battles from without as well as battles from within. And he wants them to know this. Here's who God is. He will unify you, and he will bring peace. How? We're back to Genesis, aren't we? We're back to Genesis. After Adam and Eve say, we'll take that deal. We'll be like God. We'll know what's right and evil. God comes and says, no. You've broken my heart. You've broken the one one command that I've given to you. You've separated us relationally. I must cover you. I must cover you. And here's how I will do it. I will send one into the world. Who will what? crush the head of the serpent that's Jesus Christ and so there's an allusion being made here to to Genesis in in, in Paul's uh, conclusion where he's really saying okay remember really what gets people into this trouble or gets churches into trouble is when they believe we can determine what's good and he will know you cannot live under the wisdom of God come under the peace of God and watch what God does Satan can't win His head has been crushed by the one who gave his life up on the cross. And in Rome, soon, you will see it, God at work. Over here in this church, crush. Over here in this church, crush the head of the one who wants to divide the church. God's stronger than the one who he fights against. He closes then, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You will need that. Timothy My fellow worker greet you. So does Lucius and Jason and Sopatir, my kinsmen, fellow Jews. Right? Um, Paul traveled with a number of people as he's planting uh, these churches. And then a strange word in verse 22 that kind of throws people off a little bit. Just look at these words. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. And all of a sudden we say, Whee! minute. I thought Paul wrote the book of Romans. Here's how it works. Who wrote the book of Romans? Number one, God. Never forget that. There's not a book of the Bible that God didn't write. These are inspired words. The person that's doing the 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 wording of the, the letter or the book of the Bible is kind of like the pen that God is using. So whether it's Moses writing the Pentateuch or, or Paul writing, you know, to Titus or Timothy, they're human pens that God is using. Now, they're not, they're not like objects. They're human beings. And so we get to see, when we read the Bible, we kind of see the unique language of Paul, the unique language of Moses, the unique... I'll tell you what, when we get into Daniel, holy smokes. You get to see the very unique language of, of Daniel. We're human pens. God wrote the book through this is number two, whoever is named as the author in this case, it would be who Paul, who literally causes his this word of God, which Paul receives under inspiration, to be now pinned down, written down on parchment by what we would call an amanuensis, an amanuensis is somebody who is a scribe. So they would probably sit while Paul is sharing this word and they would be the person physically writing down the the book of the Bible that becomes that letter that now is delivered by Phoebe into uh, the house church in Rome. It kind of throws people off when they read that. They're like, oh, wait a minute. I thought that Paul wrote this book. I'm like, no, God wrote it through Paul, who in turn utilized the services of an Emanus by the name of Tertius. So the next time somebody, or or the next time you want to give somebody kind of a a tough quiz, just ask them this, who was Tertius in the Bible? And uh, when they go, I have no idea, say, well, they're the the ones who wrote the Book of Romans. And that'll really throw them off. No, I thought Paul wrote the Book of Romans. No, God wrote it through Paul. Who wrote it through Tertius? (laughs) It's a great one. Okay, then he goes to 23. He says, Gaius. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you, along with Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Hortus, who greets you. And more names that we think to ourselves. Who are these people? Gaius? Do you remember them? Remember in Corinth, when there was division in the church? And there were people having arguments that went something like this. I got baptized by Paul. Others, I got baptized by Apollos. Others, I got baptized by Cephas, Peter. Others, I got baptized by Jesus. They actually had fights on this. They divided themselves over it. Remember, Paul comes along and says, you know what? I didn't baptize anyone. And I'm glad that I didn't because now you're fighting over what? What pastor you like the best? What leader you like the best? No. That's divisive. That's going to cut the legs out from underneath the gospel. But then Paul acknowledges, I did baptize a few, including who? Gaius. And uh, so we see him show up here again. Um, you kind of get the picture that over Paul's journeys, there have been people who, who've come into faith through, through his, his ministry, through the gospel that he shares, right? Right? And who become a part of then that effort of of spreading the the church uh, along. In this case, Gaius is introduced as a host, as a host. Okay, this is interesting. I mean, remember Phoebe was Phoebe when we, we got her name. What was she? She was not a host. She was what? Say it again. Okay, she's a tent maker with Paul, and and wealthy. And because of that, what did, she, what did she use her wealth to do? To provide, right? She's the financer. I, I, I'm going to help provide for the ministry that's going to go on here. Okay? That's different than host. The, the word host in Greek here is xenos. And um, what, this is why it's interesting to me. A host would be somebody, xenos would mean, would mean strange. And so a host is someone who would welcome you into an area that was strange to you and help you come to know it. If you think about it, that's very helpful because as as Paul and missionaries have been traveling and they come into an area, they need somebody who comes along and says this, hey, guess what, in this area, if you do it this way, it's not going to be good. If you do it this way, it's going to be a whole heck of a lot better. They help acquaint you with the customs of that particular area. It's like when you move to Grand Island and the first couple of people, they smile at you and they say, have you tried the pizza? And you're like, yeah, I saw, I saw a pizza hut. No, not that pizza. The pizza. What, where, Where is this pizza? Uh, where is this pizza, by the way, guys? In it's in Dannenbrog. <laughs> Somebody said that to me. They go, you got to go to Dannenbrog. I thought they said and Frog. I am said... <laughs> What kind of a town is Dan and Frog? No, it's Dan and Brog. It's Danish. I went. They have pizza in the Danish town. Oh, you got to try it. Okay, I'll go try that. Dan Meyer and his family took us to Dan and Brog. Now I tell people when they move here, have you tried the pizza? <laughs> <laughs> this is a strange town. No, I people to tell them not where the pizza was, but here's how people need to be treated. The doxology. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. According to, this is not boasting, by the way, when he says my gospel. He's simply saying, the gospel entrusted to me. And the, I'm going to use a Greek word here, please. And the kerygma, and the kerygma of Jesus Christ. The teachings of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation, the revealing, of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. But has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the hearing of the word towards faith. Um, Our symbol as a church body, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, when you look at the, 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 the stamp, the logo for our church body, what is in the middle of it? a rose why a rose Luther pulls this out of scripture but says this is an ideal picture because when you look at the Old Testament era what you see is the rose closed like this, you still see the rose the the rose is is right in front of you you can look at that rose and say I think that, doesn't that rose kind of, doesn't it open up and so what's happening, Old Testament is pointing, pointing us to, who? to God's rose, to Jesus Christ. And uh, so in the Old Testament closed, now in the New Testament it has become open and now very evident. That's really what Paul is saying here is in that Old Testament area, the, the, the wholeness of who Jesus Christ was, was mysterion. It wasn't absent. It's right there. But you couldn't quite figure the whole thing out. You would go to the temple, right? And you'd say, Could you, Would you please take this sacrifice? It's a sin sacrifice. I've sin- I did some really bad stuff. I-, I need a sin sacrifice. Does that sacrifice save me? In fact, does it even work forgiveness? No, it does not. How do I get forgiveness? Through the one who's coming. Through Jesus Christ. Well, then wh- why am I coming near to this temple to give-, to give you a bull or to give you a goat or to give you a sheep? Because that's how I want to point forward to Jesus Christ. I want your faith in him. Take this sacrifice today that points to the sacrifice that's going to happen on a cross. Trust that. That's the Old Testament. And what Paul is saying as he works amongst the Jews is, man, this has been a mysterion, but now has been revealed by God. We have the privilege of taking this gospel out to all nations In order that they might what? Come under the hearing of the gospel towards faith. This is our end. This is what God has pointed us to all along. That we help use this word of God that brings people into faith. And he closes then to the only wise God be glory. Daksa. Let him be present. It's a way of saying that. Let Jesus be present. Let it be present forevermore. And the word is, is um, Ionios, to the very end of the age, through Jesus Christ. Amen. And Paul closes off this word, and Phoebe delivers it to the church. And there will come a time that Paul now goes into Jerusalem and gives the, the gift offering to the people in Jerusalem. He will go to Spain. Many of us believe that one of his next missionary journeys was into Spain. He will come into Rome. And ultimately in Rome he will die. And um, this book continues to bear the testimony that began so many centuries ago and, and which I believe speaks so clearly into the church of today in that it calls us to Parakaleo, be reminded. Remind each other. This is our calling. Remind each other. This is is what God has has invited us to do, to join him. To remind us, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It's dynamite of God. It will change this city. It will change this world. And to go out in his name, even as as Paul did. Um, I want you just for a minute to pick one of these three questions out at your table and would you would you share with one another um may, maybe the best question to pick out let's just use that very first one when you as we studied romans what was your greatest aha uh-huh, what was your great what do you walk away with what do you say oh, that's that's what, when i think of romans this is what i'm going to think of i want to give you about uh... Oh, just a couple of minutes to do that, and then we'll, we'll uh, close in prayer. Just take, take a couple of minutes. Share with each other. What, what's your greatest takeaway? Just share with each other. To call them back. Will that work? Okay. I'm going to try. Help I like okay, that I, Now I,
1: I don't do I do. know if they're going to require a mask there or not. No, 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 they no. No. If they do, if they do, I won't go. No, I just that. put it on my arm and I tell them I'm it. Well, I, 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 I I have done it yet? I'm not going to. I no, get no, two clergy. No. Holy! No. I get two, two clergy. No, Holy no, hell no. about that! So no, you no. Well, they said I had to. I said that you, no, you no, got no, another guest coming. Now, one was a Catholic priest, and I ripped into him. And the other one was an LCMS pastor, and I ripped into him. I just, I just, I told, I, I, no, I, I told, I told that LCMS pastor, Tim Well, over the road, because I was thinking about going there and visiting, and, and he got into an argument with me. And, and he started the argument, and he said I did, but so he did. And I said, well, I wouldn't come here and visit but put up with a jackass like you to begin with. I, I will not do that. I ain't doing it, man. <laughs> well, we'll see if they make us with a mask. It doesn't matter.
0: to
1: I me. Mean, I just put it on my own. Okay, well, we didn't think I they would. I think were. the prayer would be good. We'd be good to do it. Okay, okay. March 27th. Okay. I'll let him know. You don't have to call him. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes,
0: well i know how much lutherans hate it when a pastor says talk together folks everybody's like what did you just say but i tell you what once we start talking we can't even stop and that's a good thing um i hope we can continue some conversations with each other how many of you feel like you learned at least one thing in the book of romans you got at least one thing good all right I hope that it cha- remains a challenging book. There's questions in Romans that I continue to struggle with, probably will to the day I die. A Hard stuff in it. But clearly a book that reminds us of what God has called us to be as a church. Um, I am very passionate, you probably know that, about um, helping people know the word. And uh, especially in the time frame that we're living in now, I, I so fear that we are getting ready to move into and it's one of the reasons I chose Daniel next, into a a time frame where more than ever before what we believe, who you are, what it means for you to stand up for your faith will come under physical governmental challenges and um, I'm afraid that, that if we don't know the word of God in the church, if we don't know this scripture, we're in trouble so if there's somebody you know even inside of our body that uh, doesn't make kind of a deeper study of the Bible, something that, they're, that they have as their routine, I would, ask, I would like to ask you to use your influence, not manipulation but influence, to say we are going to study one of the most relevant books for our time. Please come. Listen to what Daniel has to say. You will be changed. Let's pray. Lord God, as we uh, close out, I give you thanks for a book that's changed me. Um, I think it's changed all of us. It's a word I, I ask that you allow to continue to live inside of us and that you use to make us your tools as you uh, continue to reach people through your gospel and bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray for that. In Jesus' name, amen.